today on CityCast Madison. You may not know his name, but you definitely know his music. He's been called the most sampled drummer in history, the funky drummer. We're talking about Clyde Stubblefield. He became a fixture in Madison's music scene after touring and recording with James Brown in the 1960s. Now a new documentary sheds light on his life and why he didn't get the credit he deserved. You can catch a glimpse of the film called Give the Drummer Some this Sunday at the Majestic Theater. Today, Bianca Martin speaks with filmmaker Trevor Banks. It's Tuesday, September 19th. I'm Molly Stentz, and here's what Madison's talking about. Trevor, hello. Bianca, how's it going? It's going very well. Uh, For those who aren't familiar or need a refresher, who was Clyde Stubblefield? Clyde Stubblefield, the man, the myth, the legend. Clyde is most known as one of James Brown's former drummers, particularly in the from the mid 60s to like the start of the 70s. He played on countless hits from Cold Sweat, Give It Up or Turn It Loose, uh, Mother Popcorn, and I think most famously, Funky Drummer, which was, you know, used and adopted by hip hop some 20 years later after its recording and has been sampled countless times, thousands of times, and an adopted Madisonian who lived the two thirds of his life in Madison, honestly. He's an icon, I think, of a very underappreciated musical pioneer in American music history and a beloved Manasodian. Oh, it's it's so exciting. And the title of this doc is Give the Drummer Some, which I'm guessing that's an ode to give this groundbreaking drummer some deserved time and space, throw some respect on his check. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's sort of a play on words. Give the Drummer Some was a phrase that James Brown said in uh, the, the record Cold Sweat that features Clyde and uh, Clyde goes into a solo break. And before that, James Brown shouts out, I want to give the drummer some. I want to give the drummer some of this funkiness right here. And and that's when the beat dropped. And Clyde went into his first of many famous breakbeats. Well, you dive into Stubblefield's history. Why do you think his legacy is not more well-known? I think that's part of the mission going into this was getting into and uncovering the reasons why Clyde didn't necessarily get the recognition he deserved. And it's been a process and I've come to some conclusions. I don't think we'll ever really have one single answer, but you know, I think for starters, Clyde came up in a time in the music industry when, you know, supporting band members didn't necessarily get the credit they deserved. He was a session musician. He was a hired musician. It was his job. He wasn't the front man. And he also, you know, worked for a notoriously like tyrant of a, of a band leader in James Brown. There's no secret that it wasn't the safest place to be. Yeah. He wasn't the easiest guy to work for. It It was kind of a toxic work environment. And so 
Clyde along with a lot of the other band members and not just James Brown situation like Motown and Stax and like if you were again a, a supporting band member you you just didn't get the love that you deserved and so I think that's kind of the root of it uh is he's a victim of circumstances a victim of times I think if you look now with the advancements I think of like even the seat like CDs with liner notes uh you would start to see people's names and who the session musicians were and an extension of that advocate for themselves to get royalties and publishing and and you know a piece of the pie down the line that you know wasn't even a thought at the time yeah i've never thought about that because i'm thinking and there was a moment where records they wouldn't even put the main singer if they're if you're black they wouldn't even put you on the cover of the record they'd put like a white woman playing with their child because they're like oh we want this to sell okay it's wild that you mentioned james brown as a tyrant i was just thinking about that because of course i was listening to the music preparing for this interview and i'm just thinking clyde from everything i've heard about him is so different and you actually knew him personally growing up like he was around playing music what made clyde so special clyde was a one of one that's something i realized very early in the process of this documentary is he's a one-off the more people i spoke to the more like affirmation i got that he was just himself and no one else he lived in the moment he didn't think about the past too much and he wasn't too concerned about the future he was just like kind of in the present and was this leaf that blew in the wind wherever it went he knew what he wanted and he if he didn't want to do something he wouldn't do something and if he did want to do something he'd be damn sure he was going to do that that's been a big mission in this this entire project is to not only, you know, I think tell the story of his influence and how much of a pioneer he was. And obviously, you know, the funky drummer phenomenon, everyone kind of knows him as the guy who didn't get the royalties for the breakbeat that was used thousands of times. But even go, digging deeper, I want to make sure that the the viewers recognize how awesome Clyde was and like get to know him as a person and like come away watching this feeling like they know who he was as a person because I don't think all that stuff that I just previously mentioned and his contributions to music could have happened if he wasn't the type of person that he was. There's a lot of circumstances that kind of came together beyond his control, but just because of who he was, I don't think anyone could play the way he played as revolutionarily. That's not a word. I'll take <laughs> I it. <laughs> I think revolutionarily, I I'll take it. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I mean, his playing was so revolutionary that I don't think anyone who was like really overthinking things could have played the way he played, if that makes sense. Totally in the moment. So it, it, he, he was definitely a, a conduit of just like, being in the moment, playing what he felt, totally unadulterated. And with that comes innovation. And that's what he did. He was an innovator and he didn't even think much of it. And to me, like he's a genius in that regard. Like The breakbeat heard around the world. You're speaking from all of the folks that you've talked to, but having grown up with them personally, like how did you get to know him? How? What's your connection with, with him? Yes, yeah, so I've been really fortunate to have just been in the peripheral of Clyde for pretty much my whole life growing up in Madison. My dad, Joey Banks, is a 
musician in the Madison scene for my entire life, even before I was born and also a drummer. And so naturally him and Clyde worked together and played together. And Clyde was a mentor figure to my father as a musician and, and just a good friend. And so he was around, he was just in the peripheral. I'd go to shows and I'd help my dad set up or break down and Clyde would be there and he'd call the house and telling my dad to come over to play cards. And What kind of cards do they play? They play poker. They've had some pretty heavy <laughs> poker games. You can ask any of those guys. And uh, usually Clyde came away winning the pot. So That's amazing. How much is Clyde himself in the documentary? Clyde is a, a big presence in, in the doc. I was lucky to have the access and like him trust me enough to just hang around and follow him in the twilight years of his life in accompanying a lot of the contemporary interviews I do with some pretty heavy hitters in the music industry. It's accompanied by a lot of verite footage. Like truth. Just just a fly on the wall, right? And just hanging out with him at his house, going to shows with him. I went to a dialysis appointment with him, which was a very intimate moment in, in the film where we really get to see dichotomy of somebody like Clyde, who's at such a highest level in the music industry, you know, and then in turn driving himself to, you know, a dialysis appointment on the east side of Madison. I didn't want to tell the story without peeling back the layers and showing who he was as a person and getting a full sense of like who he was. Yeah. And you said there are some other, you know, some big heavy hitters in the music industry. Who else is in the doc? It was never hard to convince anyone to like talk about Clyde. Everyone who knows, knows and wants to talk about him and give him his flowers. But off the top, some of the bigger, most notable names, Questlove. We got to sit down with Hank Shockley of Bomb Squad and Public Enemy, uh, Christian McBride, super, super heavy bass player, jazz bassist, some, in my mind, like apex level James Brown historian encyclopedic knowledge guys like Harry Weinger and Alan Leeds. Those guys are the best. Um, And then some like super dope drummers like Dennis Chambers, who was one of my favorites. Nate Smith, who was just like a beast. Daru Jones. It's, and there's more Kid Capri, DJ Kid Capri. And it's like the, the cast really embodies like the impact that Clyde had. It's so vast from drummers to producers, to DJs, to music aficionados. You know, it's like it's so many people were touched by Clyde. And so like, that's a reflection in, in the cast for sure. Totally. It speaks volumes. And I've heard volumes about Clyde in Madison and the impacts that he had here. I mean, obviously, he touched your life and he's touched so many others, including local musicians, your dad. He was with James Brown's band and then he came to Madison, which, oh, thank goodness for blessing us. (laughs) But do we know why? Why did he come here? It's like kind of puzzling, but it makes a lot of sense. That's something that I dive into in the documentary. I guess I don't want to like give away 
too Everything, much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drop it. No, I'm just <laughs> but you know, <laughs> do the math. You know, he we we were sort of alluding to it, it being tough on the road with Brown and Clyde. To me, I think was was fed up with it and wanted to find some solace. And long story short, I think he found that in Madison and. He never left. <laughs> <laughs> and he was really clearly a dedicated person to the community and the and the music community here, right? Totally, totally. I mean, he played with so many people in the scene. He loved all types of music. If you were to ever go to one of his famous Monday night funky Monday gigs that were weekly in his in its heyday, it, it, and you did, and you were went there expecting to see James Brown's former drummer. You might be a little surprised because they would be playing blues. They'd be playing a lot of just like soul standards. And he played in country music bands, and he played in like a lot of cover bands. And it was it was everything. He did everything. He played jazz with Ben Sidron and toured with him and played on countless records with another Madison legend who I also interviewed for this and his son Leo as well, who produced one of Clyde's solo records. And so. It was a second chapter in his life. Like there's there's the Brown era and then there's the Madison era. And they're both played as heavy of a role in Clyde's life personally. Madison is part of Clyde for sure. And where where were some of the spots like that funky Mondays? Like where where could you catch him playing? Oh man, I think the that started at like King Club, even before that, there's different iterations at like Madison Club. Frequency was that for a while. There were some even further back that are that are don't even exist anymore, and we're like even before our time. Not to sound like we're super young or anything, but <laughs> no, I mean the frequency is already gone. <laughs> so and I mean, yeah, King Club is gone. Like, and I think that space has obviously changed throughout the years. But yeah, I think he just kind of got in where he could fit in, and the Clyde Stubblefield band. You know, they did their thing. They did their thing. <laughs> and it sounds like he fit in pretty much everywhere. And he like loved country music, for instance. Like that's incredible. I saw one quote from George Clinton, the funky George Clinton saying about Clyde, he was that funky drummer for real. <laughs> what made Clyde the funky drummer? Like what was unique about his style and his, you know, that sample drum beat? Sure. So th- I think what Clyde brought that wasn't, that prevalent in pop music, particularly dance music, that was super revolutionary and helped create that funk sound that James Brown's band is known for creating is this sort of off-kilter, like syncopated rhythm that he would have. He didn't play like straight, like one, two, three, four. He'd be like one, ta-da, two, ta-da. He would just add this little bit of like extra in there that they call ghost notes and it was highly syncopated and he would he would spread out you know a measure like for example cold sweat it wasn't a straight one two three four count it was like boom cat da boom boom Boom, that, that, boom, that, boom, boom, that, the boom, boom, and then it's like that little hold, that, boom, that. It was revolutionary. It didn't, it didn't fit the mold that pop music was in, and people loved it. And so when Cold Sweat came out, and and that rhythm that Clyde gave it, 
it really reshaped pop music and and how how uh, people danced and how people created and produced it. We're hearing his influence like in so many songs we wouldn't even, you know, just like it's part of the fabric. Exactly. It's become rhythmic DNA. It's one of those things that we don't even think about because it's it happened so long ago. It's like the wheel. Like we don't think twice about the wheel and like, of course, the wheel exists. That's just become ingrained in, in just how we think and how we've evolved in music creation and music production. I also want to really thank you for like doing the the beat and like ex- doing because it a that was beautiful. I had to hold myself back so I didn't like squeal <laughs> over it. <laughs> but it, it also I'm excited to hear it's like he was controlling time. He was on his time. Uh, speaking of time, we're about to have a good old time together because <laughs> you are looking for some help crowdfunding the story, and you'll be having an event at the Majestic Theater this month. I'll be doing a Q&A with you about the film, moderating. Very excited to be a part of this event. What can folks expect from that night? This is going to be a fundraising event that we're doing to help continue production on this film. It's very much kind of a crowdfunding approach. What we're doing for this, this event is previewing some clips from the documentary in progress. And so we'll be doing that. You and I will be chopping it up, talking about it, doing a QA. and a There'll be live music from the Funky JBs and DJ Nick Nice. It should be cool. It's, it's a very Madison community-based event. Madison is a big part of Clyde's life, and Madison really loved Clyde and always championed him. This is another opportunity for the, the community to come together for our iconic number one I guess if you if if there was a Madison musician Hall of Fame, he's got to be like the George Washington of of the you know Mount Rushmore, you know, the first face there, in my opinion. If you contributed to the crowdfunding campaign back a couple of years ago, uh, you can see where your contributions went. If you didn't and you just love Clyde, you can see a, a glimpse of of this documentary that we're super I'm super super proud of, and we've put a lot a lot of work and resources and energy and decent amount of money into it but you know we are doing this independently and it costs money for crew and it costs money for locations and hiring folks and travel and all that sorts of stuff yes and you've been working on this for years y'all come help us tell this story make this film it's it's gonna be really really fun shout out to you guys at citycast huge shout out to majestic for hosting and giving us the space, another Madison staple. They obviously recognize the importance of Clyde and want to help in in their own way. And they're really making this happen for us too. Shout out to the band, the Funky JBs, DJ Nick Nice, everyone who comes, tickets are on sale. Get them early so you don't have to pay at the door. All right. (laughs) Thank you so much, Trevor. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Bianca. That was CityCast Madison host Bianca Martin in conversation with filmmaker Trevor Banks. The fundraiser is this Sunday, September 24th at the Majestic Theater in downtown Madison. You can find all the details in our show notes. And here's what else Madison's talking about. The Cap Times Ideas Fest is this week. 
The week-long conference has both virtual and in-person events this year. Speakers include U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders, former U.S. Representative Adam Kinzinger, and Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison, just to name a few. There's dozens of sessions on journalism, political and social issues, and a talk on campus free speech with UW-Madison Chancellor Jennifer Mnookin. We'll throw a link to it all in our show notes. And tonight, the Madison City Council votes on changing a city ordinance to allow pet pigs. This was in response to a Westside resident named Rudy, who is a pig. Rudy was told to leave town by the public health department before neighbors rallied and fans intervened. Under the proposed change, pet pigs would be allowed if they're under two feet tall at the shoulder and weigh less than 300 pounds. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Molly Stentz. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this podcast with someone in your life who could use some more credit? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya!